Growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Okay, well, hello, beautiful. We are back for another episode. It's going to be so much fun. I'm here with a special guest, Ashley Gonzalez for Beautylicious Lashes is her company. And we're going to go behind the scenes. She's going to give us a sneak peek of what it's like to work with your spouse. So if you've ever thought about, oh, I would love to hire this family member or maybe even, you know, your partner in any way, this is going to be an episode you're going to need to tune into because I think there's always times where we're thinking, you know, let's keep it in the family. I could use some extra help. They understand me. They're right here. It's easy. Put that in air quotes. Um, all of the things, but her podcast is called Team Licious Podcast for the Beauty Licious brand. And yeah, she is a lash specialist. She has so many things. Ashley, why don't you do a quick little intro since I didn't do it justice? Tell us about yourself. April, thank you. But yeah, my name is Ashley Gonzalez. I also live in Southern California. I'm in a beach city called Oxnard, California, and we own a training academy and a supply store. So we don't just teach classes, but we also supply professional lash artists with the best lash products around. And I'm an esthetician, actually. I started out in makeup. So um, event makeup, like wedding, quinceaneras, baptisms, stuff like that. So I've been in the industry going on 10 years now, but I've got about five years under my belt of lashes. So it's crazy how you know things transition over time. I had no intention of my beauty side hustle to turn into what it is now where I'm actually helping other people create their own businesses. It's kind of crazy, but yeah. So I'm really passionate about helping people really hone in on like offering what I consider to be like healthy, natural lashes. That's kind of been always my thing, just really focusing on the natural health. And yeah, that's kind of how we built our business. Take us back to like the 60 second of when you started And, you know, as you always say, your audience wants to know how fast did it get going? Like, what was that time frame and marketing tactics that you use to do that? I would say that I, and I hate to sound like annoying and then people may not like this, but I've never really struggled with getting clients when I was at the point where I wanted it to be a side hustle. And I really only wanted to be like a Saturday mornings kind of thing at a salon. I was working kind of as a freelancer. I did it. Like if I wanted to work every Saturday and get two or three clients in, I did. And I guess in retrospect, I would say that maybe I already had a lot of strategies as far as attracting clients, but I just didn't know. Um, because I care so deeply about the natural lashes. And then even when I was doing makeup, I cared so deeply about skincare and making sure that it was healthy. And I wasn't just slapping makeup over dirty skin, things like that. I don't know if it's because I have some form of anxiety or imposter syndrome. I just feel like I'm always doing extra to make sure that I'm taking care of people to the best of my ability. So I think that maybe that was kind of a strategy that I didn't realize that I had, but I've always kind of 
did pretty good as far as getting clients. And then when that transitioned into starting my lash business in 2018, I really just kind of carried over what I was already doing in my makeup business that was working so well and carried that over into my lash business. So I would say that within, to give a solid answer of when I got fully booked within my lash business, I would say fully booked as a full-time business owner in a year. Yeah. I think I heard you say there is kind of like, marketing principle number one, you did well because you put the concerns of others before yourself. Like you were really, you genuinely care and therefore you just were always doing the extra for others. So you were like in service of others and therefore that was super successful for you. So I love that. And so you started getting busy and then at what point did you say, I need to hire somebody it was it was it a thought of I need to hire somebody or was it is you know can somebody just help me with a little bit of the extra like where did the transition of you know bringing Hakeem into the business where did that start like, what was the thinking behind that so first I had girls that were working definitely I had other girls before him I had girls that were working kind of taking my excess taking my overflow I didn't at a certain point I didn't want to work nights anymore because you know, it's very easy to get to the point where you're working 13 hour days. And I was never with my kids, you know, and that was something I promised myself that I was never going to do. So when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I don't want to work nights anymore. I'm missing out on a lot of events and, you know, holidays and stuff like that. So I started having girls who would work in my studio and I was basically subleasing to girls to work nights, people who were willing to work the nights that I didn't want to. Also for makeup too, I kind of let go of my event makeup and I started getting girls who were willing to take on my bridal clients for me. And that really helped because then I was, didn't have to work nights or weekends anymore. And that was something that I was really strict about. Like, I do not want to be working at the time. I think I was working. If I think back, right. I was working about almost 70 hours a week. And I mean, like that is almost not humanly possible. I sometimes I think like, when was I sleeping? I, I wasn't. And so it started out with just hiring a couple girls to work in my off hours. Basically, my <laughs> there was people in my studio at all times. And then even then, I still was like not it was not enough. Like I think because of how much content I was creating and how consistent I was with giving value because ultimately I've talked about this in a couple of speeches that I've done. My goal with my business was to turn lash haters into lash lovers. So that was the way I thought of it in my brain. If you've had a bad, well, you know, if you take, go back to five years ago of lashes, I we're still very new when it comes to extensions. If you go back about five years ago, or maybe even more seven years ago, people were still very weary, just like permanent makeup. I think people are barely getting into like, okay, so permanent makeup isn't bad. It's not going to kill me. It's not going to scar my face forever. And so the same thing with lashes, there was a lot of bot lash jobs because a lot of the people were like these discount nail salons that were, you know, kind of just figuring it out, winging lash extensions, and they were really hurting people. And so there was a lot of what I call lash haters, not so much that they hated lashes themselves. They were in fear. That, that's really what it was. These were people who were afraid of getting lashes for one of two main reasons. Either they had a bad experience themselves, or they knew of someone who had a bad experience. So there was just so much stigma around extensions. And my goal was like to change those people's minds. So little did I know I had a target market already. I had a ideal client, but I just didn't know. It was just something I was very passionate about. So all my social media content, I mean, like all of it was about, look, lashes don't hurt your lashes. Look, if you just clean them, look, you know, just constantly reminding people that lashes are not harmful. And so 
I definitely, I mean, I achieved that. And when I got known for that, when I, when I developed a reputation of being the person, oh, you're afraid, go to Ashley. Oh, you got hurt, go to Ashley. Or your lashes are sparse, Ashley will fix you. I had so many testimonials of clients who used to wear strips or maybe used to go to a less experienced technician and got really you know, damaged lashes. And I was able to do what I called a lash rehab with extensions, not using serums and stuff, literally just doing very natural and gradually working our way up. And I would take photos in between every single time so they could see the growth. So they could see how many more lashes were growing out of the places where they weren't. And so I was just basically documenting the whole process of helping people. And that really, I attribute a lot of my growth to that because I was definitely fully booked about eight clients a day within less than a year of doing lashes. So once I developed that reputation, it was almost like I couldn't send them anywhere else. They wanted to come to me or anyone that worked for me because they associated whoever works for me must be like me. So one day Hakeem was, I was like, babe, I'm so- Hold on before you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to break down for what you just said before we bring Hakeem in. What you just said marketing wise for my audience is she did two things. One, she- found the objection, Yep. right? What is the objection that's keeping your audience from buying, right? Do they think it's too expensive? Are they worried how it's going to look? Are they afraid? You know, like when you said that, I thought, oh yeah, I had my lashes done before and then I got an eye infection. It's funny because the place looked clean when, when I went in. And then when I got up, I noticed her station. I was like, oh man, I betcha. And sure enough, I got a crazy eye infection. I've had you know, clumps of eyelashes come out. I've had crazy things happen. So my, I could be like that client concerned, like, oh, I'm never going back again, especially yeah, if this wasn't my industry. That you know not to get them too. Right? Exactly. Right. Because I could tell that horrible experience if this wasn't, you know, if I wasn't in the beauty industry, I could see how I could be, you know, scarred or damaged from that. Right. So you spoke to the objection. So marketing first and foremost is she spoke to the objection she showed up with value creating the content and then here's what she also did she built trust she was consistent and so consistency builds trust right because if i can see you showing up even if imperfectly showing up being your authentic self i can build trust with you so she built trust with her audience and that's what builds a brand okay i just had to put a pin in that right there okay now we Now that I've taken marketing classes, I look back and I'm like, ah, so that's what I just didn't know because it was something I was just genuinely passionate about. And I thought people need to know this because if I didn't know this, like people need to know this. So I made it my mission. Like, and at first I, I'm not going to lie, like, because I already was, you know, doing okay with makeup when I got busy with lashes. And again, I was doing all of these things, but I didn't really attribute in the moment. I didn't attribute my busyness to that. I just assumed lashes are a hot thing. They're trendy. Everyone wants them. But then I started looking around and seeing that a lot of people I went to beauty school with were not having the same experience. They were not as busy as I was. They were trying to market with lower pricing, but because I was so busy, I was consistently, I would say every three to four months, I was raising my prices like 20 to 25%. I mean, it was steep price raises because I was so busy. I was like, I need to get rid of people. So I was trying to get rid of them, but no one ever left because of, I guess, because of that demand that I had created and I specialized in natural lashes. But yeah, so once I got that busy- Okay, hold on, I gotta say one more thing on that. Yes, no, no, please go. So the next thing is, what I also hear you saying is you made it obvious for the oblivious. 
so many times we think our audience already knows these things like, oh, well, they've probably heard it because you've heard it because you are in those lash circles. You are you are consuming it, but they're not. Yes. And so what Ashley said is they need to know this. Like yeah. she didn't think, oh, they already know this. She thought, no, they need to know this. So that, you know, you've probably heard me if you've listened to the podcast at any point, you've probably heard me say this before, but make it obvious for the oblivious. Really make your marketing simplified so that they understand it and repeat it often. So that's what she was doing. She was really not saying, oh, they already know this. She right. continued to educate them. Awesome. Okay, so good. And it worked to the point a lot more than I realized it would work. I didn't know. And so when I was giving, this is what was happening. I was getting tons of inquiries like, Hey, how do I book an appointment? Because at a certain point, I just took the booking feature off my website, off my Instagram, because I, I hate to say I was getting tired because that's probably not the right phrase to use, but I was feeling sad that I couldn't fit anybody. I mean, I was literally driving to my studio to work at 5 a.m. most days. Didn't always take clients at five. So usually it was like 6 a.m., but I wanted to get ready and have like a good like 30 minutes of just peace, not with kids screaming and not with, you know, nagging and craziness. And then I was there sometimes until like midnight and I was leaving so late. And I remember I had this moment where I was crying and I, and I even called my dad because my dad used to work a full-time job, plus go to school full-time, plus he was like our softball coach and all this stuff. And I remember asking him, dad, like, I feel like I'm in, this is like a parallel right now. Like, how did you do it? How did you be such a good dad and a, and a good husband and do all the things plus, you know, work on yourself? Like, how did you do it? And I'll never forget. He told me, he's like, it's temporary. This chaos that you're in right now is temporary, but you need to work towards, you should be putting yourself, putting a foot in front of yourself to not always be in this chaos. And that was really pivotal for me. So that's when I started reflecting back and I'm like, I need to get more organized. So what I started doing was I had this little template, like a little text that I would send to people who were inquiring about services. And I was asking people like Hakeem, Hey babe, can you just text back all the people that are asking? Can you just send them this same little verb? It's just like a generic, Hey, you know, we are, our, our, our books are full, but if you're interested, send us an email and blah, 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 the whole little wait list thing. And Hakeem was just saying how busy he was. And, you know, this is when COVID was just kind of, we were about to start getting back to work. And Hakeem owned a barbershop. So Hakeem owned a very successful, very well-known barbershop. Like if you're from our area, everyone knew of this barbershop and he bought it back in 2015. It did really well. No one left. It was the same staff for the last 20 years. And so he basically bought a business that was already established and he kept and maintained it. But once COVID happened, you know, it was really detrimental to a lot of businesses, especially barbershops, because a lot of barbers started working from home. So when he reopened, you know, not everyone was really excited to come back because they were like, I don't know if people are going to come. Should I just stay doing what I'm doing? It's working. So then Hakim was like, man, you know, your clients are so literally like begging you to come back and do lashes. And my clients are not as they're kind of like, yeah, I'm fine without a haircut. You know, it's a little bit the need that transformation is a little bit more dramatic with lashes for women than a haircut is for a male. They can go a couple months without a haircut. Whereas women, like if you're used to getting lashes, like you need your lashes. You feel like you need them. That transformation, that confidence boost that you get from lashes is slightly different from a haircut. And so he was like, man, some of these days I'm just kind of twiddling my thumbs occasionally. And you're over here turning away more money than you're making. Like he did the math and he was like, you know, your business is your model of your business is so sustainable in comparison to the walking culture of a barbershop, which is very like, you never know what your day is going to be like. You don't know and it's not because he doesn't have great relationships with his, you know, customers. It was because that's just the culture of walk-in barbershops. It's very like, 
you live it day to day. You don't know if you're going to be there till five. You don't know if you're going to be there till nine. Whereas me, I knew a month in advance what my schedule was going to be like. And when I had a surgery that I needed to block off, I blocked off for it three months prior and it was fine. I didn't lose any business. I worked a little bit later some days to compensate, but you know, it was just more stability in his eyes. Yeah. Like, and that culture is better. Not only that, but these people are on time, you know, they're not messing around and they're, they're there, they're consistent. So he just noticed that the way my business worked, not only did it make more money, but it also just the way it worked was just almost easier. It was less stressful than his, where he was hoping that, Oh, I hope I make $500 tomorrow. I don't know if I am, but I hope. Whereas in mine, if they don't show up, I'm charging their card. And they know that they've signed a form that says that they know they're paying if they just no show me. So no matter what I know, I'm making my money tomorrow. And it was just appealing for him. He's like, I would like that. I would like a more stable. And not only that, but I would like you not to be throwing away a thousand dollars a day. (laughs) Yeah. Cause women invest in beauty, right? Mm -hmm. Women prioritize it. So we make it a point. We know when that appointment's coming up. And so you had a recurring revenue that was consistent. And trusting, you know, you can trust in it. Then he said, okay, I want you to teach me to do this. It's not that I didn't want to. I didn't think he would take it seriously. I was just kind of like, okay, you're saying that right now because you see dollar signs, but this is not easy. It's taken me years to perfect my craft. I had already taught people prior to him. So I've been teaching and I'm like, it's not that simple. I've had some successes. And then that was part of it. Part of it was I had some students who I had taught in a couple months prior and they were making money already and they were so busy already. So he was like, these girls are getting this busy this fast. Like I've been cutting hair for 10 years and I'm not charging that much per hour. So it was kind of like, man, there's like kind of a quick, but I was explaining to him, it's not that simple. You may not get it that quickly. And not only that, I just, I was charging, you know, I charge a decent penny to get trained with me. So I was going to obviously train him for free. And I was just kind of thinking like, is there going to be ROI? Like, am I going to get my time back from this? Am I going to get, you know, it's going to be worth my time. I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a valid concern because there's two things. There's, there's one, obviously there's having the demand, which Mm -hmm. you already had, but there's also that a little bit of like natural skill to it, right? Like there's, you know, kind of getting it. Like some people, you know, could study it for a long, long time and still not fully get it. And so it's like, will he be able to really pick this up and do well with it? Right. I try and do this for the money and then that's going to taint my reputation. You know, like there was a lot of layers to why I was a little bit skeptical. It's not that I didn't want him to do it. It's not that I was nervous that he was going to be, but it was nothing like vain. It was purely just like, I'm so insanely busy right now. For you to ask for my time for free to teach you how to do this, something that I've mastered and taken me years. Are you going to be serious about it? So initially what I did was I was like, Hey, you know, I had already been developing my online classes. So I already had video footage and everything and stuff. So what I did was like, here, here's access to my online class and pretty much figure it out. Honestly, I'll be real. I kind of just said sink or swim, like watch me. You can watch me a couple of times and I'll give you some tips when he would be practicing on the doll head at home on our dinner table. I'd kind of like, if he was doing something wrong, I'd kind of like boot camp style, slap him in the hand and be like, don't do that. Cause that's bad. You know, little things like that. But I really didn't take the time to really teach him. And I think that went on for like a month where he was kind of just figuring it out. And at a certain point he was just like, Hey, you invest so much into your students. And I'm in here and I've been consistently trying and I've been practicing on the jaw head and I really want to do this. And he's like, can you take me seriously? Can you give me the same amount of time that you would give to one of your students and really pour into me as a trainer. And I was like, 
okay, you know what? You're not asking for too much. I'll set aside time and we'll do a class together. So we did. And I sat there and I went over the class the same way that I would with a, you know, a student. And I think once I gave him that respect, like a student, he really did. And he flew, he started taking models and a lot of my clients were going to him. I want to break down there in case anybody missed it is one, you gave him the tools, right? Literally. And you know, the training, but you also, he had to show desire, right? right. We can't do the push-ups for them, right? We can't do the sit-ups for them. Like they have to come wanting to really take it serious. And so I think that this might be a really important point for anybody that's at home wanting to bring in their sister or their spouse or something like that. You can't want it for them, right? You know what I'm saying? You can't want them to want it, right? Mm -hmm. So they need to show up and show that they're, because sometimes I see that like where we care more about it because we need them in the business. So we need them to be passionate about it. We need them to want it. We need them to be good at it. And right. that's a lot of pressure. So basically said, listen, you're going to have to meet me halfway. And I think that's really good. Like that, when you said that, I could see how a lot of times, you know, we push to get somebody versus, you know, kind of pulling away and then them coming towards us dating when, in a way. Right. Yeah. When people ask me, like, how did he get it so fast? I definitely think that that's one of the layers. I do think him having 10 years as a barber for sure factors in because he's got the hand-eye coordination. He has the focus, you know, he has the people skills, you know, which comes in handy. Right. One of the things that I didn't factor in for, for why he would get so popular in, in our area was because he has the male aspect when it comes to, you know, in these beauty services, we're in such an intimate connection. It's almost impossible to not divulge. And so they're of course divulging, but they're getting a different perspective than they would from like their girlfriend who's going to be like, yeah, girl, you're right. And forget him. Whereas he's like, has a different perspective where he's like, well, you know, coming from where I, you know, this is what I've been through and, and it can be a totally different insight. And so I think some of the girls were even coming to him simply for that different perspective where there's like no bias. It's not some guy trying to hook up with you and just telling what you want to hear. Like he's just genuinely from a husband, father's point of view, like, that was one of the things we didn't expect. A lot of people really liked him because they said he was gentler than I am. I guess I'm a little heavy handed and I didn't realize that. And so that was some, there's so many things that made him different from me. He did things very different than I did. Ooh. And that was really good. So I love that, that you just said that. So when you're hiring somebody, again, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, family or not look at the ways that they're unique. So many times we just want to them to be exactly the way we are thinking, okay, well, this is what has made my business successful. So if I just clone that, then my business will be even more successful where it might be if they might have that different angle, whether it's the male energy or the way they do it, that some people actually resonate more with and actually are drawn to, and you didn't even realize it. So it's so good because that's one of those things that is, I think, let's just be honest, that's, that has to be like an ego check. Right. Oh, yeah. Because we all feel like, you know, especially when you get to a certain level of success, it's like a little bit like, you know, you're kind of pumped right. up like, yeah, right. I did it. I built this business. And right. then to see somebody come in and, you know, also have success, you're like, oh, wait a minute. And that can be challenging to our ego. Right. And so good of you. So so balanced. It was a, it was like kind of a, a weird thing at first, though, because I'm not going to lie. There was people who came to him 
to get services that never came to me that I've known longer. Like these are people that I went to high school with or that I grew up with and things that people that I'm way more connected with that, that initially went with him first. Granted, I didn't have room to take on new clients, but in my mind, I'm not going to lie. There was times where I was like, why do you go to him and not to me? But I realized like, I'm glad that, that you trusted him because he's an extension of me and my skill set. Like pretty much everyone told us, oh yeah, if you recommend him, like I'll go to him. Like there's no questions asked because I had built that trust. Yeah. And I, when I think about this in terms of, if you're thinking about hiring somebody, so many gold nuggets in this and how you will plan for that, how you will plan for your ego and, you know, that balance of control. And we'll get into that in just a moment, but also planning for the division of tasks and division of labor of who does what. And so let us know, how did that, we'll do the ego thing after, but how did you divide up what he's going, going to do, who, you know, cause I think, you know, sometimes when you divide up tasks and roles can also play into ego roles, right? You know, in the business, how did that look for you? Hey friend, April here. Mark your calendar and cue the confetti because Elevate Your Beauty Business program is opening soon. And this is the program where I mentor beauty professionals and exclusively teach the Amplify Method, which is the most efficient way to increase your income up to 50% or more with less stress. So set your alarms for February 28th and join us in a three-day free workshop to attract premium clients consistently and to scale your beauty business with ease. More information will be coming soon, but mark your calendar for February 28th now. I'll, I'll be very transparent. That took a lot, a lot. So initially when we were just side-by-side artists, it wasn't that difficult. He did his clients, I did mine. Don't get me wrong. A lot of the issues that we had at home definitely traveled in, for example, being tidy and organized is definitely not his strong suit. So I'll say it in those are the nicest way I can say it. So, you know, the leaving things around that he would do at home definitely transpired into our work life. It was like, I was constantly picking up after him, but I wasn't keeping them any part of the money that he was making. And also he wasn't paying for products because mind you, the, the, the brand, the product, the retail products, the professional products that we sell, I started that on my own with my own money, my own time, everything. I did the research. I did everything. So when he was using products, guess what? He'd drop a tweezer. He'd just go pick one up, just go get a brand new one off the shelf. And every time he did that, there was a little bit of side eye. There's this phrase that Drake, the rapper says, he says, you weren't with me shooting in the gym. And so it's kind of like how I felt like you don't get to just grab stuff off the shelf. Like it was, there was definitely some conflict because I felt frustrated that you got trained for free. You get free room and board in my studio. You get free clients based off of being associated with me. And now you're getting free products and I'm not getting any of that money. Not that I wanted his money. I think I just wanted the respect of like cleaning up after yourself. And yes. He's and like, that's what I was going to say. Like anytime we have issues of, oh, you left your dirty sock on the floor. It's not about the dirty sock. It's about the disrespect that you feel that you have to pick up, like that they didn't value you to clean up after themselves, that they just thought they took you for granted and that you would do it or that you, they didn't see all the hard work that went into it. So I think that that's really what it comes down to that level of almost like disrespect that can be so hard hitting on the ego, right? But then what I am just now with therapy, because we started doing couples therapy, because we realized if we're going to be together 24 seven, like we got to work through, we love each other and we have no intentions of like separating, but we are very aware that there's communication 
issues. And I'm learning now that my, my work hat needs to be on at work. And then my wife and mother hat needs to be on at home. And I cannot, I need to leave my work hat here. And that's been something that I've definitely, and I'm still working through because I love what I do and I'm passionate about what I do. So as much as Hakeem loves me and he's passionate about supporting me, I feel like that's the basis of who he is, is just being a supportive husband. And, you know, it's very admirable. However, um, because his passion isn't necessarily lashes in itself, you know, he's doing it. He's great at it. He picked it up really fast. You know, I'm a great teacher, I guess, but you know, the truth is lashes is not his passion. And we're very honest about that. Lashes is not what he's passionate about. Does he know about it? Is he knowledgeable, educated, experienced? Absolutely. But is it what he wants to do for the rest of his life is be a lash artist? No. If it was sustainable in for the lifestyle that I wanted, I would be a lash artist for this in my life too, because I actually love it. Yeah, that's the truth. It's not his passion. So we definitely have like a disconnect when it comes to that, because if it was up to him, he wouldn't do lashes at all anymore. You know, it's just not what he wants to do. So and you were way more invested in this from the right. start. Anytime, exactly. and that's for somebody to know, like anytime it is your business, you are going to be so much more invested in this. So, you know, you get more emotional about things. Right. You get, you know, you take things personally. You, you're just more invested in every sense of the word, right? Yeah. Um, so how did you divide up? You said at first you were working side by side. Yeah. And then that worked pretty okay. Like obviously there was little tips here and there, but it was fine. But when we transitioned, cause we don't no longer do services. Well, full-time, like we, like he just had a client that just left, but we are not full-time artists. I only take models now. I don't do full-time. I'm focused on my training courses and our product sales. Like those are, we're product-based now retail-based company. And that transition has been where um, a lot of the struggles really came out because now we actually have like a company together as opposed to like a service-based business because before we'd be busy. I mean, yes, we were together, but we were busy doing our own thing. Now we are literally working with each other 24 seven. And I am learning to let go of the fact that this is my business. It's now our business. And that has been difficult. There was definitely um, gone. We've gone over some hills together because I definitely want to be, I want to have my hands in everything. Like I want to make sure the products are being packaged properly. I want to make sure inventory is, you know, done the way that I want to do it. And, um, I would say the one that struggles the most is me. He is very flexible. He's very like, I think he's learned that, you know, he wants to be spontaneous and go with the flow. And so he is pretty flexible when it comes to anything really, whether it's changing schedules or, you know, moving things around. Whereas me, I'm not as flexible. I'm pretty I can be rigid. I just want, I want people to know that we care. And that is where he does his best. But a lot of times I think he can read my mind and I'm constantly just assuming like, well, didn't you know that that's what I meant? Well, duh. And he's like, well, how am I supposed to know that that's how you wanted it? And so I definitely have been working on that. Yeah. And it's hard to change overnight because everything that is the way that you do what you do is what got you here. Right? And so you're like, this is what's worked for me all up into this point, right? It's worked right. and yet it sometimes doesn't fully work, but this is what I know and right. this is what I can trust because this is what I've done in the past. And so I think what's also interesting is as I hear you say that, it's like you're taking your business to a new level of growth right. and that is challenging when you are solo. Right. It's even more challenging when you feel because everybody doesn't grow at the same rate. Right. And so now you have to really communicate and make sure that you are growing at the same rate or else then you start to feel like you're like 
pulling dead weight up a hill or you're trying to go, but you're fighting your way up. And, you know, Mm -hmm. these are analogies or, you know, not real examples that you're really fighting, but just like the idea of that struggle is real, right? Like, cause you're having new growth, which can be challenging on itself, by itself on its own. And it's both have the same at this point. Now that we're more, we're, we're in a different space as far as a business goes, I think we're a lot more aligned into where we're headed, which is great. And I'm happy that we're now there where we're like, okay, we're seeing eye to eye, but now we just are, you know, working through, these are your duties and I need to just back off and not micromanage and him too. He's learning that. So we have different love languages. If you know anything about love languages, we have completely different love languages. So his is like quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, mine are more like acts of service and material gifts. So totally opposite spectrums of the love languages. And so what he has to learn and what he's navigating through right now is that, yes, we're working together, but we're not hanging out together. We're working together. Like work is work and we need to work and we need to get things done. So he has recently started, thanks to Rick Mulready. I know we mentioned him earlier. He recommended in his podcast to have like a time structured journal where you literally say, this is how long this took me. This is how long this took me almost like having a, like a coach, but you do it to yourself. You hold yourself accountable and you're becoming more aware of how long things take you. Maybe that shouldn't have taken you so long to make that TikTok. Maybe it shouldn't have taken you so long to package those five orders that came in last night. And then you become more aware of those things. So he is working on that. I'm not saying he doesn't get things done. He's, he always gets stuff done, but maybe not in the most time full manner. And for me, I'm just like a workhorse and I'm just like marking things off my list. And I'm like, ha, yes, yes, yes. You know, but then it can be neglectful because then he's like, Hey, I'm here. Don't forget about me. You know? So definitely the whole hats thing was, has been huge for us. And we learned about that in couples therapy is like, you have hats and you have to remember what hat do I have on right now? And why am I feeling like this? Is it because I'm confusing my work hat with my home hat? Like, and I have to really navigate through that. And I think that really getting clear on those boundaries. And I know we hate that word. Like boundaries are so annoying we hear it. What does it even mean? But really like that is what has really helped us is like figuring out what our boundaries are. And this is what we want. We both have the same goal, but how are we going to get there and coming out with real systems, (laughs) you know, setting up systems like, okay, this is what we do every morning. And this is what we do when we get there. And we do not do this unless this, you know, a lot of those boundaries have been what kept us organized. And I think it's, what's going to really take us to the next level come 2022. I love that. It's also like what we do with children as well, right? Everybody needs to know that they have a purpose and everybody needs to know that they have a role in the family. And, and obviously like one person can't have all of the strengths, right? We all have our weaknesses. And so seeing what can you learn from that, you know, spouse, what can you learn from that child? Like, you know, maybe they don't do it the way you do it, but what can you learn? Oh, maybe I do need to slow down a little bit. Maybe I do need to enjoy the process or I'm going to burn out, or maybe I do need to speed up a little bit and be more productive and be mindful of my time. You know, he's the one that's constantly grounding me and saying, Hey, you just did this. We've been consistently hitting this goal. Why are we not, you know, let's do something. Let's go get a massage. Let's go do this. And that's very like his realm. I would just work through until the death of me and just never stop and never praise myself and still wonder why didn't you work harder? Well, you know, I, that's me. He's just like, let's celebrate every aspect of everything. Yeah. So good. I love that. And that's why it's interesting to see, you know, I listened to, I, I bought this workshop on, it's called win the whining war. 
Loyla, I can give you her, if anybody wants the information, her work is amazing. I did the workshop and then I ended up buying her program too. So it was a paid workshop and then I did her bigger program. I haven't gone through the bigger program yet, but anyways, it's about how we can communicate with our kids of like, what is the root problem that's really happening? And understanding that sometimes we just see what's happening on the surface and don't understand what's happening underneath. And then understanding, like I said, that everyone has a role and that is not only to help us in our weaknesses, like you said, keep you balanced, but also to see where we need to, what we can improve on, right? A different way of looking at things or, you know, a different way of just, you know, coming about this human experience. So I love that you have your roles now, which is amazing because I feel like oftentimes if you have things that are crossing over where if you're like, okay, let's just say this, we both take out the trash. Well, then you don't know whose turn it is to take out the trash. I mean, obviously, if the trash needs taken out, everybody will just pull up right. their sleeves and do what it needs to be done. But if there's a clear division of he does this, I do this, he does this, I do this, then I think it's a little bit easier in terms of managing the business and expectations. Yes. Because that word gets us every time. If you don't have it clearly communicated, false expectations are just future disappointments. Mm -hmm. So really communicating that. And then, you know, as you said, doing the work within so that you don't take it personally. So you don't say, what do you make it mean about you? Oh, he didn't take out the trash. It means he doesn't love me. He doesn't right. respect me. You know what I mean? Like you don't make it mean more. To do that though, when you don't express yourself that that's how that feels, you know, I didn't know that by me, you know, being bossy and stuff that that made him feel like he wasn't appreciated. He definitely brings value to the business. He is become this sensation on social media because people are so fascinated with him and he definitely brings in business and slowly we're seeing more and more traction from his outlets. So there's definitely value that he brings and not just monetary, you know, I love having him here and he definitely keeps me grounded and balanced. So there's a lot of layers to what he brings to the table. But sometimes if they're not like monetary, like if I can't track them because I'm such an integrator in my brain, if I can't see, you know, the logistics behind, oh, what do you literally bring? I can definitely see how that would translate into me being ungrateful. And so I think that just, again, take your head out of your ass. If you can learn how to do that, you're going to be a lot more successful. So I think it's not for everybody. And I have to be fully transparent about that. We have a couple friends who were in business together that it just didn't work out. They're still married. They're still together, but they realize we can't do this together. So I think that if you're interested in trying it, just be clear beforehand. And that's kind of where we mistake. We kind of just muddled together and we never were clear on like who does what. It was kind of just like you said, just like, I need help. So help me with everything, but he can't help me with everything. In fact, some of the things that he tries to help me with, he's just making it harder, like making my job harder. So, well, let's just take that out of your job description. If it's not your strong suit, I'm not going to get frustrated with you every time you do something and it's not the way I want. Let's just take that out of your job. You know, and like you had, I know we've talked on another platform before about how figure out the things that I don't like to do and see if maybe it's some of them, he doesn't either. And don't force him to do them because I don't like to do them. But let's see what things that I don't love to do that you don't mind doing. And then whatever's trickled down at the bottom, we can either divvy between us or what we ended up doing is just hiring a staff. So we hired a staff person who's part-time who just takes care of all the things that we don't necessarily love to do. I love that. And I don't know if I told you, but first of all, I've, I've had lots of students that have you know worked like sisters that work together or partners that work together, family members. But my parents have worked together for 
decades and other businesses, at least for the last 10 years, probably longer. I don't even know how long they've owned their own business together. Oh, wow. And now since COVID, the business is from the home. So they work out of the the home office. So they are really together all of the time. Like us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All of the time. And so... Yeah, there are so many challenges with that. And I think, you know, one of the things that you said is like not, you know, taking off that hat, like not, you know, when do you turn it off, which is really key. And so it's one of those things like I don't know that you would be able to know until you get in it. Yeah. So for me, taking the work hat off was hard. And for him, putting the work hat on could be difficult sometimes. Funny, but that's just coin how it goes, right? Like opposites attract. That's just how it works. And he definitely fills things that I couldn't and vice versa, you know, and we we're aware of that models of our business that makes us work so well is that he fully supports me. Like whether I'm right or wrong, he's got my back. And I think that for me, I know that's huge because a lot of times, I mean, he's got my back, but he's also because he knows me so well, he knows how to present the the bad and the ugly to me too. Like, Hey, yes, I support you. And I get where you're coming from. However, Ash, like, don't you like, this is what you're doing. And we, we can't do that. We, that's not our mission. That's not our message. And so being communicating like why you're doing what you're doing and knowing the story behind your business has been really helpful for us too, because it's not just money. We're not just here to make money. We're here to make a difference. My ultimate goal is to make a difference in my community. And, you know, in my background, all the people that I associate with in my culture, I really want to make a difference. So I needed to make sure that he is in agreement with that. And he totally is. It's very much in alignment with what he'd like to see in the world. So that helped us because now we've defined like, okay, what is our business mission? What is our heart to do? And now that we know that he can kind of, the checks and balances come in like, Hey, that's not in alignment with what we're saying. So you got to figure out if that's for us or not. So that's been really helpful. What'd you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned or something that you would tell, you know, either to anybody that's thinking about doing this or which you, you would told, you know, to yourself, you know, you years ago or one of those type of like looking back? If I could look back to when we first started and saved us a lot of the arguments that we've had, I would definitely say to just really, first of all, patience is key. Like patience is with anybody, whether you hire somebody and they don't relate to you or whatever. Um, I've had a lot of employees at different capacities, commission, um, booth rent, uh, hourly. I've had a lot of different type of models for employees and ultimately like just being patient and having compassion because sometimes when people care about your feelings, they don't want to always be completely transparent and honest because they care so much about you and just kind of really take off the uh, defense hat. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. Like take off the defense hat for me. A lot of times because it's my baby, because it's my business, I tend to be defensive when somebody comes from a certain angle where I'm like, oh, 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 you're coming for me. So I need to uh, kill and uh, attack you. And like, you need to be gone. When a lot of times they just don't know how to communicate in a way that's not going to hurt my feelings and not going to feel like it's an attack. If you can take that defense jersey off and just be, you know, try to be compassionate. I'm, I'm sure you love him too. I'm obsessed with Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he, that's like what he preaches is like care about the people And that's something that's huge. If you genuinely care about that person and they genuinely care about you, you know, you can take that defense jersey off and recognize that they love you. You love them. Or maybe they're not your relative and they're just a worker, but like they're working with you because they care about, hopefully you vetted them in the interview process and they care about what you're doing. And so if you can take that, take yourself out of it, 
a lot of times you're going to be able to see it with a clearer mindset, because like you said, we act from emotion and that's hard not to do when you're on defense, when you're trying to defend yourself. But if you're just doing the, for the greater good, it's going to be a lot easier to navigate through this stuff. So good that you say that. Cause I think about my students and I always challenge them to show up live on video and they're fearful, right? A lot of people have different ideas and thoughts and fears around video. And I say that anxiety is because you care. Right. Yes. You know, if you didn't care, it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. Like, but you care and you care about this business and then just see that in others. Right. To say like, okay, they really do care. Mm -hmm. Right. And I guess, you know, what I'm hearing you say is not only patience, but compassion. Yes. Right. Because we're all just doing our best. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can see that in them. It just makes it a lot easier to hear them and listen as opposed to just like, hearing what you want to hear and then just regurgitating the words because you're on defense and you're just trying to like come back with words. If you can actually absorb what they're saying and really listen and, you know, almost like read between the lines, then it just makes everything easier. And luckily, you know, we've had, like I said, we've had a lot of different staff over the years and I'm blessed that I have no burnt bridges with any of those staff that didn't work out, but that has everything to do with, like I said, Gary Vaynerchuk, I really tried to pull myself out of the equation and say, okay, why is this person doing this? Why do they want to leave? Why don't they want to work here anymore? Or why are they not happy? And really pull myself out of it. You know, they have their own individual experiences and they're their own human. They're going through their own stuff. And when you can put compassion in and really, you know, take the time to take yourself out of it, it just creates less hurt for you. Yeah. And I think the word he always uses is self-awareness. Yes. Huge. That's his thing. Yeah. Like just that self-awareness of knowing like, knowing how you show up for the self-awareness is knowing how you get hurt. Like for me, I would say that's me. I'm a very, you know, I'm an empath. I get very emotional. I'm the one that like cries at a commercial. Okay. I'm just, it gets really ridiculous. <laughs> you don't even want to see me at a funeral. It could be a funeral of a complete stranger and I'm just bawling because I feel deeply. And I think that understanding like that can also lead to getting hurt, right? Having that self-awareness of what you can handle, what you can't handle, what you make it mean in your mind and ways that you can always improve because we're all just growing. We're all just doing our best. And so, and, and the learning comes a lot of times in the doing. So you can listen to other people's lessons and they can tell you, here's what I learned. And then that will give you awareness. So when that shows up in your life, you can hopefully have an easier transition with that lesson. It doesn't bypass you learning the lesson. No, no, no. By no means has has this been like, I think it's crazy in a weird way. We've actually talked about this multiple times. It has been a journey and a lot of valleys, a lot of, you know, downward hill, but I'll, I'll say overall, and this may not be the case for everybody, but for us, I think working together probably was one of the best things that we ever did. It doesn't always feel that way. When we're in the thick of it, it does not feel that way. Sometimes it's like, God, this was the biggest mistake. But overall, like at home, maybe at work, when it comes to work things, we still are learning to navigate through that. But after 11 years of being together, we have grown stronger together because we've realized how much stronger we are together. Like our business has grown so much, like exponentially since we've worked together. And so we're realizing now that, hey, we actually are a good team. We need to learn how to work more efficiently. And once we figure that out, we have complete confidence that we're going to, we're really going to take things to a whole nother level once we get to that level of working together and not just physically together, but actually spiritually connected in that way. Cause I really feel like if you can do it and if you can navigate through that, I personally feel those are some of the strongest, the biggest success stories that you hear about a lot of times are like 
you know, these husband and wife restaurant that, you know, in your area, this husband and wife owned salon in your area, you hear these stories. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that there's some real science behind that. Yeah. I think about it like this. You know, I, if you've ever tried to have a partnership with a friend that can be, in my opinion, disastrous because of unspoken expectations of how the friendship went, but the business is definitely going to go in a different way. And so one of the things is with this type of relationship, friendships can break up. Obviously, relationships can break up too, but you're more committed to each other first and foremost, and then the business, which that level of commitment means that you're both going to show up to do the work in a different way. And I also think about, you know, for anybody that's thinking like, I would say two things for anybody that's thinking about bringing on a family member into the business, do the work of one, figuring out what their roles will be, how you're yeah, trying to figure out how emotionally you'll feel if this happens, like if this happens, how will I respond to that? Like try to give yourself lots of different scenarios so that you're prepared, right? I mean, you're still going to respond as a human with your own emotions to it, but at least you're kind of prepared a little bit for that. And the other thing is, is that role something that somebody else could fill? For example, does it have to be a family member that fills that? Or maybe you are looking for an integrator if you're the visionary that would fill that role, somebody that's going to just take over your social media and it doesn't need to be your spouse or your sister or somebody that it's not their specialty. Sometimes we look for them because they're closest, right? We grab onto something which is not always you know, the best solution. We grab onto it like a life jacket, like save me. And that might save you from sinking at that moment. They could help you with a little task, but that might not be a real long-term solution. That might not be a boat out of the water, so to speak. So kind of deciding, do you need to hire somebody or can it be family? And then putting these things together, which is really awesome. And it's interesting in the beauty industry, I think we know a lot, I know, and I'm sure you do too, a lot of people that work together that the women, it was their business first. Yeah. And because it's beauty. And then the men join them. And then there it can be a power, you know, thing, especially because it was the woman's and now the man wants to come in and where do they fit in and their ego and things like that. So team has no real desire of like taking the business from me, even from like a social media, like PR standpoint. One of the reasons why he's doing so well, like blowing up on TikTok is because people love that he's very transparent, that it's you know, that it started with me. He's supportive of me. He's always like saying things to the effect of like, oh yeah, I just work here, but my wife is the brains. Like he says things that, you know, it seems very subtle, but you can tell that his audience like loves it. They love to see the woman in charge, the woman with the brains, the woman that's the operator. And then him be, you know, not that he's a worker. He says that, but that's more like just a play like that he, you know, is supportive of his wife, because especially in our culture, which is Hispanic background, Latino or Mexican, traditionally, you see the man as the breadwinner and the woman as the nurturing homemaker. So to see it almost like from a a slightly different, you know, perspective where it's like, okay, so the woman was the breadwinner and now he's supporting her. You know, a lot of times in our, you know, background, let's say a Mexican man owns a landscaping business or a construction company. A lot of times the woman comes on board too, the wife, but she comes in working the paperwork and the, the HR kind of the behind the scenes stuff. So to see it the other way around where he's the supportive role and I'm the, I guess you could say main character. Um, I think that that's been really, really working for us. We didn't, again, this was not planned. It just kind of the way it unfolded. But I think that that's what is one of our strong suits is that he's just insanely supportive of me, really. 
Yeah. And shout out to Hakeem because that is really a level of emotional security yeah. on his part to be able to give you respect and not feel like it's taken from him. Yeah. Right. To be able to, you know, show up and not feel to be able to shine a light on you and not feel like it's diminishing his light. So there is a level of just emotional, you know, EQ basically that he has, you know, a pretty stable, you know, secure man. I could do it um, if it was the reverse roles. I don't yeah. think I, I think I'd be like, oh, you know, we're blowing up because of me. Like I would be wanting all the thank yous. So I, I agree. Yeah. So awesome. But it takes two. And it's so good. So Ashley, tell everyone how they can connect with you, where they can find you, the name of your podcast, the classes you have, all the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much again for having me, April. My business is beautyliciouslashes.com and we are beautylicious underscore lashes on Instagram. That's mostly where you're going to find me. But if you want to find Hakeem, Hakeem is actually the lash poppy on both Instagram and TikTok. And that's where he spends most of his time is on TikTok. You'll see him, you know, with his sets and all that, all the funny stuff that he does. That's where he spends his time. But we both do collectively our podcast, which is Teamlicious. And we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the fun sites. Most of them, I'll say it's about a 60 to 30. So 60% of them are just me, 30% have Hakeem. So you got to kind of, you know, see if you get lucky and you get to hear from Hakeem, but he did have a barber shop for, you know, many years and he's been a barber for 12 years. So he has a lot of insight as well, trial and error that worked for his business. So we're always trying to give back to people and help you guys see that kind of what April had mentioned in my interview with her, which if you guys want to hear that, you can come over to my podcast, but she mentions that you got to find your unique things about yourself. And I think that that's really been Hakeem's strong suit over his years. So we really strive to help people find that and and really hone in on that. So if you guys are interested, you can definitely check us out on our podcast. I do a lot of IGTVs also, and I'm glad if you ever have questions, you can reach out to me. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. My pleasure. I love having you. I love, I love just chat. We were chatting for 30 minutes before we even started recording. I was like, oh, there's so much goodness coming out of just of our chat. Brilliant branding, Lash Poppy. So good. (laughs) And not only just for any Latinas, but just like people love it, right? Like all all ethnic groups, all cultures, like that is just so fun. And yeah, so that's fantastic. But also I want to mention the underscore to Beautylicious because I, for a while I couldn't find you because I wasn't putting in the underscore. So that's good to know. And yeah, you're just doing so many wonderful things. It's exciting to see you grow. And I know that you have such a great heart to serve and help people like you too. show up on Clubhouse and on Instagram, constantly educating. And even, even though you do teach and have courses, but you give so much free information away as well. Like you are really just about serving and helping and just such a beautiful person inside and out. So it's a pleasure to know you. So my last question for you is what sparks joy in your life? Ooh, some Marie Kondo. What sparks joy in my life for me? Does she say that? Marie Kondo. um, Yeah. She does this thing where she she to declutter. And so if it doesn't spark joy, then throw it away. That's what she She says. She says sparks joy. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, I'm Um, not trying to copy Marie Kondo. I didn't know that. I'm just laughing because that, that my mom is obsessed with that show. So I've never that. seen it. I've heard of her. Obviously, I've heard of her, but I've never seen her show. But I, that's just something that I've always said for a long time. But um, but yeah, what maybe not sparks? What brings you joy? What sparks joy for me? I would say I'm a little bit of a deep person. I'm a little bit spiritual. So for me, what has been since just something that I've wanted since I was a little kid was 
to really like make a difference. I really want to make a difference and it sounds cheesy and it sounds, you know, so cliche, but I genuinely want to be able to make a difference for the world that like my kids are going to grow up in. I've played around with, you know, trying to get into politics and things like that, but I've found that, you know, I want to live life to my own, um, my own standards. So I don't see myself getting in politics, but specifically for my community, I come from a background of predominantly immigrants who travel here, typically illegally, you know, undocumented immigrants is where I come from. So Hakim as well. So our mission is really to bring light to the fact that regardless of where you come from, whether you have brown skin or whatever, whether you come from, let's say we live on a very dangerous neighborhood, no matter what your external environment is, what's inside is what matters. And that you can literally make anything happen. If you're consistent and you're strategic and you connect and you just give value. You can literally do anything. You can make successful in anything. I always make the joke that you can be successful making designing fluffy pillows. And you know, you could be that person that that creates a demand for fluffy pillows and you can become a billionaire if that's what you really want, if that's what your heart desires. So our mission is to really give back to the Latino community and give Chicanas and Chicanos a chance to really show what they're passionate about and make whatever lifestyle that they want. And that's what's really giving me joy. And, and that's really why we have honed in on our courses and our products to make sure that we're giving quality products to be able to help people do just that and just give back in that way. I love that. We all bleed the same. <laughs> yeah. We all bleed the same. Doesn't matter how you showed up at this point in life from wherever you came from. And we all came from somewhere. That wasn't, you know, quote the right way or whatever. Right. So we all believe the same. And I love that you are empowering. I'm going to say women because that's most women. But yeah. could be some men, too, because especially Hakeem is definitely empowering men to say they see that he, he did it and they can do it. But definitely empowering women to say, look, your past doesn't have to equal your future. And it doesn't matter what you were given at the beginning, you're going to make the best of it. And so many gems, guys, so many good nuggets. So what I'm going to have you do is take a screenshot, share it on social, tag me, April Meese Inc. INC, tag Ashley. It's beauty, beautylicious underscore lashes. Tag us on social. Let us know what your favorite part was. Yeah. Um, and, and what your, your nugget was and, um, and, and what part you found most valuable. So many good parts, so many touching parts and yeah. Thank you for being so open and really, you know, cause some people will be like, Oh, everything's perfect. We just figured it out. And you know, we, yeah, I mean, it's a work in progress. Anybody listen, owning your own business is like the biggest self-development it's self-help on steroids. Right. That's and it. so yeah. So definitely doing it with a partner has got to be some next level. So kudos <laughs> to you for doing it. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you to my guests and thank you for everybody listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about. And also, definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, Hugs and High Fives. See you next week.